So stop selling people what they don't want and find out what they do want and help transport them as best you can. And you eliminate so much of the challenge in the pull and push and pull of sales conversations, objections, tie downs, and all this nonsense that we were taught the old game. The new game is, hey, you are committed to go where you want. If you're ready and willing and able, I'm here to help transport you. Welcome to the Influence by Design podcast. I'm Samantha Riley, authority positioning strategist for coaches and experts. If you're ready to build a business that gives you more than just a caffeine addiction and you dream of making more money, having more time and having the freedom to be living your best life, then you're in the right place. It's time to level up. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and today we're going to talk about one of my all-time favorite topics, which is IP. And I've invited someone very special to the show today, Mitch Axelrod, who has been in the entrepreneurship game for 45 years. He's a speaker, trainer, advisor, number one Wall Street Journal, Barnes and & Noble and Amazon bestselling author. He's delivered over 3,500 seminars, workshops, keynotes, executive briefings to more than a million people on business, entrepreneurship, sales, leadership, and intellectual property. That's what we're talking about today. He's helped his clients generate over $3 billion worth of revenue. So strap yourselves in. Today's going to be a fabulous episode. And yeah, I cannot wait. So welcome to the show, Mitch. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Sam. Great to be with you. I've been following your work for such a long time. I Like I was saying to you before we started recording, I really respect your work. I love the way that you talk about things and the way that you really, I guess, see things in a, in a different light to the way some people see it. And that's why I'm really looking forward to talking about IP because IP is the thing that I believe is the most valuable thing that as entrepreneurs that we possess. What is your take on IP or intellectual property? And how did you kind of get into this part of your work? Because you do so many other things. Well, my take on IP is pretty simple. Everything that we create in form starts with what's up here in essence. So I've said for 35 plus years now, the most valuable real estate in the world is not the south of France or Manhattan or Beverly Hills. It's the six inches between your ears. It's also the most trapped real estate uh, according to the World Bank, not me, we have $700,000 of potential unrealized, capitalized, unmonetized intellectual property. And so I discovered this game 30-something years ago when I first began to record my own material. And at the time, everybody was recording you know, the six-album cassette back then, mm-hmm. uh, those big video programs, the big fat workbooks and whatnot. And I took a different route. I said, you know, all these guys and gals are creating this stuff, printing a thousand copies, warehousing it overhead. Now they have to sell it. So you put a lot of pressure on yourself to sell it. You had to have a machine really to keep up with it. Me, I took the opposite approach. I went out and sold it first 
They created it, got somebody to pay me to create it, licensed it back to them, kept the masters and the originals, and I developed over the years more than 20 different pieces of IP training programs, if you will, all of them paid for by someone else in advance. And then I was able to leverage one into two, into four, and I was selling to companies. I wasn't really selling retail to one person at a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I realized early on that I could profit 80, 85% by not actually creating a product, by allowing my clients to pay me to create the product and then would either sell it back to them or license it back to them. And then I would have that piece of IP to go and duplicate that effort. So I like to say, well, everybody in my sphere were McDonald's. I was the only Burger King. Everybody (laughs) was saying, you've got to take it my way, the way I created. I said, you can have it your way. How do you want it? How do you need it? And then I would give it to them that their way. So I learned to private label. I learned to sell parts and pieces. And I tell you more about that as we go. So I took a different path. And it's been great because I have no inventory. I have no warehouse. I have no overhead. Even before digital technology. And I only had you know one master. And it was like, if you want, you got to duplicate it. Mm-hmm. And I built that into the, the, and it was such a, an easier sale because I wasn't selling a thing that I had already packaged. The customer could actually design their own solution. Mm-hmm. So that's a synopsis of uh, 30, 35 years of uh, playing this game. Yeah. I love that you can distill 35 years into those couple of minutes. I'd love you to share. I guess the first story of how you really understood that IP was different to a product, because I think if you're able to share this story, it might give our listeners context into what we're actually talking about here and, you know, get some brain, little brain neurons firing and thinking, hmm, how could I do this for me? Okay, well, there's kind of two signatures, quite a few, but the one takes me back to the very first time. And this is like going to really date me. Um, (laughs) I was doing an industry training seminar for the insurance industry. That was my target market. So even though my fee was like 10 times this, I got paid $250 for the day because I got exposure to the whole industry. I put an old cassette player on the table. I hit play and record (laughs) and I forgot about it. Okay. Okay. The seminar is over. Guy comes up to me, says to me, that was the greatest thing I ever saw. I see you have you recorded it. I'd like to have it. And I just came up with a question that became like the standard question. I said, well, what do you want to do with it? I thought, you know, what does he want? One copy? He says to me, I have 5,000 financial planning clients in business. I want to send them all that recording, that'll give me more business than a paper, you know, clip or whatever, or a pen set or a calendar. Uh, How much? Now, the cassette is in the cassette recorder. I have no sales letter, no pitch, no nothing. I said, you know what? How about you pay me $1 per person per cassette over hard costs? He said, that's it? I said, that's it. He said, done. 
signs a piece of paper, sends me a check for five grand two weeks later. I send a duplicator, tell him, just bring him up, you pay him. I realized at that moment, I was not consulting, speaking, training. I was in the intellectual property business. It went from my head to my mouth, Mm -hmm. to the cassette recorder. And that guy actually had an idea of how he could deploy my IP on his behalf. And I said, oh my God, what if I could do this for everybody? (laughs) And it dawned on me, it could play such a bigger, more expansive game than just creating a product and trying to sell it. And that's how it all started. Mm. I mean, I was around in those times of the CDs. I've still have and, and tapes. I've even still got some in the bookshelf right behind me. World's very different now. Obviously, we're sharing our IP digitally. You know, we're not. We don't have hard costs of tapes and CDs and videos and all that kind of thing. How? Are you or some of your clients doing or sharing this IP in this way right now? Well, I look at, there's quite a few things you can do with IP. So one is you can license, right? You can license your IP to all size businesses that you're suited to serve. And I think what really separates my thinking from the course creation, program creation, you know, the product creation, whether mm-hmm. it's a map, whatever the productized is, is that you create it in your image and you put into it what you think the client needs. I see to people every day, survey your clients and see what they're using, what they're not using, what they're using most. You might find that parts pieces, segments, modules, formulas, frameworks actually are being used more and are worth more individually and in bundles than the whole program because no matter how good you are and how much your clients love your work, the chances are very slim that they're using everything you're giving them. Uh. So what you do, we don't we're not conscious that we're forcing when we design the format, the form from the essence, we are essentially saying, you got to take it the way I design it, McDonald's, all right? So you're going to get the two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, onions, pickles, whatever, whether <laughs> you like it or not. Yeah. I don't like lettuce, pickles, and onions. Can I? Nope, you got to take it. Right? Yeah. I said, you don't have to take it. You can have the two all beef patties, special sauce, and that's it. If that's all you need. So I don't force you to buy what you don't need. All you do is buy what you do need. That means you can come back and buy more and buy more. So it's really IP is solving problem versus selling product. That's a major distinction. If people can get that, they can realize that one formula, one model, one framework could be worth a fortune to them. Uh, what do you want to say to the people that are listening that, and I hear this all the time, but if my, my client says that they want that piece, let's call that piece A piece. No, let's call it C piece. But for them to get results in that, they actually need to do A and B first. 
What can you talk to that? Well, that's a, a multi-pronged issue, okay? Is it? Is it? Some things are sequential and linear. In other words, if you have to, you really have to learn A and B, become proficient to do C, then you have what's known as a system, sequence, steps, okay? And that's different to learn something to do than to solving a specific problem that step C might solve. So if C is not standalone, and like a college course, there's prerequisites A and B to get to C, then you somehow limit your ability to use A, B, or C as standalone pieces, all right, in that context. So I suggest to people, even if you have a linear process, try to make each piece standalone. So even if they have to learn A and B to do C, they can still potentially practice C while they're learning A and B, right? Ideally, though, as you begin to maybe reconstruct or deconstruct your IP, you say, okay, I, I had a book, I have a book, 10 chapters. It's not one book, it's 11 pieces of IP, the whole book and 10 individual chapters. I could take any one, I sold a chapter of my book, The New Game of Business, 20 years ago for $25,000. One chapter. Wow. Why? Because I found out that my client didn't have the money to buy books for all 25,000 people. So I said to him, what did you really like about the book? He said, you're not going to read this, but chapter eight on success abilities. I loved it. I said, well, would you rather buy 5,000 books at five bucks? Or would you rather have chapter eight and give it to everybody? He said, "How how can you do that? I said, I own the book. I'll give you a PDF. You can even, you know, write something up in advance, slap it on there. And he was like, I can't believe you're doing that. So I sold one chapter for 25 grand. All right. What that, again, it's, it's looking at how can you deploy what I've created in a way that benefits you, even if I have to recreate, deconstruct, break it down, you know, separate parts and pieces. So always think modularly and think each individual piece as a standalone. And maybe you can't do what you need to do that way, but you certainly have pieces that are and parts that are standalone, potentially. Mm-hmm. There is one huge piece that's standing out and everyone has probably caught it, but I really want to hone in on it just in case anyone's missed it. And that is the importance of asking the question before you assume what your prospect needs you know right at the beginning you said to the person with the recording like what are you using it for you said to the person with the book what was most important unless you asked that question there was no way that you were ever going to be able to come up with the solution and I think that this is absolute gold like we could almost stop the interview here and know that we've dropped a massive value bomb because that is really where the value is because this is so valuable, what are some of the other ways that we can ask this question to be able to come up with different ways to sell our IP? Uh, I look at myself as a doctor, 
Um, I even have this shirt sometimes I wear it. Fools people. <laughs> you oh. didn't look like you were about to go into surgery. Uh, I, I should have. Yeah. Uh, so the way I see it is people are coming to me for a diagnosis. They're coming to me because they trust me and they're looking for a prescription. Now, if you see yourself as a doctor, metaphorically, in, your, it, in it? your industry, all right? And your client needs an aspirin or a client needs an antacid or something over the counter, you're not going to recommend stomach surgery, right? Mm -hmm. But what we do is when we create our products, we're creating it like it's stomach surgery. You have to get the whole thing. Well, I, I maybe I do need that. So part of it is shifting our thinking and returning from form to essence and realizing that when you create form, you've got to make two sales. You've got to sell the content will solve the problem that they like it. And then you've got to sell the form it's in. There was a time that I would not watch a video and if it was to save my life, mm -hmm. I would not watch it because I like to read or I was on the road and needed audio. All right? mm -hmm. So when we create a product, we have to make two sales. We have to sell the content as a solution and the form it's in. And if that form has anything that is not useful at the moment because it's peripheral to the problem mm -hmm. the client wants to solve, if you can't break that apart, deconstruct it, and just give the client what the client wants, you're actually putting up an obstacle to getting that client to buy. So the question becomes, what is the minimum viable solution to this particular problem? And then how can we deliver that solution, whether it means breaking up what we have or returning to essence and then recreating it custom, charge them more, they'll be happy to pay for it because they don't have to buy all this other stuff they don't need to get the one or two things they do need. Mm -hmm. So you've got to become really good at really being empathetic, caring, mm -hmm. and finding out what is it that you really want to do. And I'll you leave you one word. And I, I came up with this 45 years ago when I was in the insurance business. And I didn't want to say I sold life insurance because that was, everybody runs away from me. Yeah, right. That's like, no, thank you. <laughs> So what people said, what do you do? I said, I'm in the transportation business. I help people get from point A to point B financially. Where are you going? And that became the foundational context of everything I do. I've trained a million people, lies, and we're all in the transportation business. And we're focused on our transportation too much. We have to focus on their destination. And then once you know where they want to go, who they want to be, what they want to do, then you can match your trend. Now, let me see if I can get a vehicle to catch you there. Mm. And that context shift changes everything. Big doors swing on little hinges. I didn't create the phrase, but I popularized it. And it's the guiding light. I look for the little hinge that will open the big door, solve the problem, get them loving me, serving them, 
going on to the next problem. If I give them a whole library, like an encyclopedia, then they're going to choose what problems they want to solve. They don't need me anymore. They got the encyclopedia. Yeah. So I think we're moving, we have been moving toward one product, one solution. Now you do it, move on to the next. So I said, people, minimize and start to look at doing like a, a, a mini max. Look at your parts and pieces that have the most value that could stand alone either individually or as a unique bundle. Oh my goodness, I love this so much. One of the things that you said there was, you know, we don't ask our people what they want. And what I took from this is that, you know, as experts, we can say, well, we know that our clients generally want result A, B, C, and D. But for some, B is really, really valuable. But for some, D is really, really valuable. And what we can tend to do is kind of bundle all of these people in the same bucket. But, you know, some person might want to, you know, really lose weight. Some person might want more energy. Another person might just want sleep. They don't necessarily want the whole lot. But also what I do know, and I'd love you to speak to this, is that generally I find that once someone has that answered, they're quite willing and open to wanting the rest of it because they see how all of the little puzzle pieces fit. Sure. And they get to decide the mode of transportation. So if you're in a transportation business, we're all in the transportation and transformation business. Mm -hmm. So if I decide I want to go somewhere, do something, be something, you can then say, I've got the vehicle to get you there. What do, how do you want to travel? I want to get there fast. Okay, hop on. I got a chauffeur limousine. I want to take the scenic tour. Hey, maybe you take a train. I've got plenty of time. I want to do it over a month. Maybe you should take a boat, metaphorically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So each of those vehicles we have as a solution, metaphorically, mm -hmm, if you look mm -hmm. at every one of your solutions as a vehicle to transport your clients to the destination, they get from point A to point B. Guess where they want to go? Point C, point D. I have clients I've been working with for 20 and 25 years. They come in in my life, they go out of my life. They come back. Why? Because things change and they feel like I can help them go from where they are to where they want to be. And so it really changes the conversation and it eliminates. In fact, we don't, we have a new game of selling training. I've trained a million people. There is no module in our training, sales training, on overcoming objections. How could you do that? Could Why? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, I love that. Because <laughs> we don't get them. Here's my philosophy about objections. And mm -hmm. this is observation, so don't take it as gospel. You have your own experience. Most people don't object to getting what they want, going where they want, or becoming who they want. They object to somebody trying to sell them what they don't want. Mm -hmm. So stop selling people what they don't want and find out what they do want and help transport them as best you can. And you eliminate so much of the challenge and the pull and push and pull of sales conversations, objections, tie downs, and all this nonsense that we were taught the old game. The new game is, hey, 
you are committed to go where you want. If you're ready and willing and able, I'm here to help transport you. If I don't have a vehicle, I'll recommend Sam. She might have the vehicle. I have a trusted network of people. If I can take you there, I'll take you there. If I can't get you there, I have somebody who can. And mm. I keep that person within my orbit. And even if they are becoming a client, I help them get where they want to go. Good karma all around. Mm, I love that so much. So you mentioned at the beginning of the episode all of the different ways that we can unpack our IP, you know, models and frameworks, methodologies, systems. Like there's so many different ways that we can do it. Do you have any advice for people that want to really start unpacking their unique IP? Because we all do things differently. We all explain things differently, have experiences but sometimes people really struggle with where do I start? I call this blank page-itis. People stare at a blank page and go, I don't know where to begin. Well, that's if you're trying to create IP prospectively. In other words, tabula rasa, clean slate, blank page. Now, what am I going to create? Well, you're kind of back in that it's got to come from up here. So the question is, what do you, I'll assume that most, many of, if not the majority of people who listen to this already have some form of IP. What, is that a fair assumption? Absolutely, 100%. Okay. If you have something in your brain and it's not informed yet, my magic is tables of contents. I have literally made millions of dollars on tables of contents. And I have an interview I do where I, I explain how I use the table of contents in a program created, sell 100,000 of it, get another program created, get a contract for a quarter of a million on a table of contents. So if you don't have an inform yet, create a table of contents, go out there and get a company, a business, somebody to record it, film it, make a sweetheart deal. Now you've got your IP. But if you do already have IP, go back to your clients and ask them, your best clients, and ask them, of everything you've gotten from me, give me the three to five things that you use most, most valuable, uh, you can't do without them. And if you had to you know, eliminate everything but those three to five things, what would they be? And you might find you already have gold in them near hills buried within your big programs that if you just extract those and allow yourself to open to sell, sell it or license it individually, you might find that those items are as valuable and more easily sold than the whole program or product. So those are some of the pieces of advice I have. Really, it comes down to a, what I call a mini mess. Look at your best three to five pieces of simple stuff and then just go out there and make it available to people in a unique way. Mm, I love that. And I think that the word there that really stands out is unique because that is what our IP is. It's unique. Now, I want to, I guess, call out the elephant in the room. People may be have been hearing just recently that there's people that are creating courses and creating 
I guess, methodologies or content using artificial intelligence. Now, you and I have had a quick chat about this beforehand. I am definitely not an expert on artificial intelligence. You told me neither are you, but there are people that are probably thinking, well, you know, we can use artificial intelligence to start to, you know, unpack or I guess not unpack our IP, but add to it to create something more. You shared a few of your thoughts before we started recording, and I'd love you to share them now just around your idea of how, I guess, how we can use AI, let's just talk chat GPT, and how we shouldn't use it right now when we're specifically talking about the topic of intellectual property. Well, I don't have a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. I wish you did. I wish I did too. <laughs> <laughs> However, I'm getting the waves from the future. And I think with the rush to using AI, the idea that it will replace humans, there's a difference between information, knowledge, and wisdom. Uh, information is Google's game. Information is AI's game. It, knowledge is a whole different level because you take information and you make it available for people to access it and use it, all right? That's what the information game is. Like, let's create a product that people can actually use, follow the steps, and get a result, have a transformation. But there's experience and wisdom that only reside in the human. Mm-hmm. And no matter how good we make the machine, we have to be careful that we don't make the machine actually supplant the human. So what separates us from the machine? It's not just word construction or creating images. It's that unique wisdom and experience that you bring to the game, to your clients and customers, that comes from your experiences and what's up here. And as of right now, Oh, those machines can't get, I'm sure at some point they will when they're connected, but right now they're not. I don't want to go there. But however, uh, you have to start to look at what makes your IP unique, right? Uh, and so you've got, right now, you've got to get back to your clients and make sure that they understand and they share with you what is it about you, your IP, and you are IP. You know, it's so funny when I see the evolution over the years, the decades, it went from you want to be the highest paid person because your skill is being paid for to, hey, you don't want to trade hours for dollars when Mm -hmm. everybody trades hours for dollars. And far too many people have traded hours for no dollars thinking they would create a product and never got their investment back. Yes. So I'd say you are IP. If you really wanted to have your IP maxed out, you know, the idea of sitting in the hammock on the beach with your laptop or just your phone, here's the ultimate IP play. You get paid, pick your number, 100,000, half a million, a million dollars to sit and just take phone calls because what's up here and what you glean through your wisdom and experience is so valuable that people don't need forms, worksheets. They just need you to say, do this, or what's your opinion of this? So 
my goal is to just get paid for what's up here. Yeah, I have a lot of stuff in form, and, and you've got to put it in form to get mm-hmm. people to that they can consume it the way they know. So if you start thinking of you as IP, and you realize that everything you put into form came from essence, and you go back to essence, you put a high price on the essence, you may find that you can be paid two or three times as much for what you know, your wisdom and experience. One nugget of wisdom is worth pounds and pounds of information. So we face a challenge ahead to preserve our unique voice and our unique intellectual property amidst what's going to be an avalanche of information mm-hmm. and aggregated knowledge. And little by little, it's going to get to be difficult to say, oh, I created that. Oh, no, I created that. Oh, who created it? Who's IP? Yeah. So could be a bumpy ride in the next few years. So I suggest mm. everybody, the old game was keep everything close to your best. The new game, get your work out there. All right. Yes. Get it out to let everybody know I create models and formulas and names for everything. And I put it out there and I let everybody know this is mine. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really a lot different than the way it used to be where you get everything close to the best you want anybody to steal it. Now they're actively looking to steal it. You better get your, your stuff Just out there. Just get it out there. Right. <laughs> give it, give it, it away first. <laughs> nope. And so, yeah, so we're in for a bit of a ride, but it's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. And it's also uh, going to give the people that really do have quality value, they're going to be able to stay in the game. I 100% agree with that last thing. Well, all of it, but really with that last thing is that we need to get it out there and it, it will, you know, it will have a separation. I think that someone changed my mind about this a little while ago when they said to me, if you really want to change the world, it's very hard to do that when you're, you know, when you've got it in your jacket and you're only opening it for certain people. If you want to change the world, you've got to share it with everyone. And that really changed my thinking around, you know, don't don't be secretive and hold it close to your chest. Share it. Let everyone know what it is. Now, Mitch, I know that you've got some information or a, a resource, I guess, for our listeners that have been listening to our conversation and they're really interested in licensing their IP and taking, you know, I guess taking their IP to the next level. Can you share a little bit about what you've got for us? Uh, actually, I have a couple of pretty good resources. Um, I have a six-step program I call the Ultimate Licensing Formula. And it's six steps, everything from assessing and selecting your IP all the way through contact, approach, meeting, recommending a solution, grading a proposal, signing a deal, and a contract. Okay. And I have a, a summary of that. I did a webinar and it was transcribed. We have a great article that summarizes all six, six steps. And literally, you could read this thing and you could go out there and say, I've got an opportunity right now. If I just approach it and you know clear my mind of my preconceived notions of how it should be, one of the quotes I have in a quote book I'm writing is, is the way we think it should be stopping us from having it the way it could be. <laughs> that is powerful. And because we all have a vision of the way we 
think it should be or ought to be is supposed to be, we sometimes could put the blinders on and say, okay, I gotta make it that way. And there could be a, a limo or a Learjet sitting right here next to us ready to take off. And we don't see it because we're stuck in the way we think it should be or supposed to be. At every breakthrough in business, was not done the way it was supposed to be. It was created from like, like Buckminster Fuller said, if you want to change things, you can't change a system because it's resistant to change. You have to replace it with a new system. And like IP, we've been so inundated with the information product game that you almost have to like clear the hard drive and install new software that says, hey, let's look at this from a slightly different angle. Because <laughs> if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Mm. So powerful. We'll pop the links to those resources that Mitch was just talking about in the show notes over at influencedbydesignpodcast.com so that you can get a copy. And I highly recommend that you do because... Mitch, as you've heard over the last little bit, is an absolute wealth of knowledge. And Mitch, thank you so much for coming on the show, dropping your value bombs. You just, every time we speak, I'm just like, wow. Yeah. That is another way you're seeing it. I like yeah, it. I love it. To me, life is like a kaleidoscope of colors, you know? And too many of us get stuck in black and white thinking. They say, that's why I run to You know, you're stuck in binary and I've never like, hey, there are certain things that are binary, I, yeah, I grant you. But this game is like so expansive that people actually like the conversation because it's a collaborative, cooperative conversation to come to a, a way that they can deploy your genius in and maybe a totally unique way that you never thought of. And that all of a sudden, wow, that creates a whole new piece of IP that you can sell. And if you're open to that, you'll be surprised the value you have sitting in your digital computer. Love it so much. Mitch, thanks so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Me too. I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Sam, for reminding me. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com.